All right, so, yeah, like I was saying, that's a very long chapter, Luke chapter 1, and there's a lot of uh, things we could look at, you know, for today being Mother's Day, and happy Mother's Day to everyone who is a mother, has a mother, we all have a mother, so therefore, if you haven't already, wish your mothers happy Mother's Day, and sisters, anyone that has children, let's go ahead and uh, make sure we don't forget to give our mothers honor and glory, because, you know, the job of a mother could be seen by the world and others as an insignificant job or a job that doesn't get a lot of limelight, okay? So the world wants to extol women in a certain way. The world wants to extol women in in going out and starting a job, going out and starting a career, going out and becoming a CEO or, a, or an actress or a musician. But, you know, too, not too much nowadays do you see women who are mothers being praised and honored for their glory and I believe you know the Bible being a very big book and a lot to be read and taught doesn't necessarily emphasize motherhood a lot but we do understand that the Bible has all the answers to all the questions in life so in life we have mothers and mothers need instruction on how to raise children and obviously you David you can't speak on motherhood you're not a mother you how can you speak on motherhood you know the Apostle Paul wrote epistles to churches about not only to husbands, he wasn't a husband, not only to wives on how to be wives, but also to fathers and mothers and children. He didn't have kids, but we have the Word of God to direct us in all our ways to be able to fill, fulfill our roles in life. And Luke chapter 1 is one of those chapters that we see two mothers. And the title of this message is Mothers to Look To. Because like I said, the Bible is not necessarily emphasizing a lot of mothers. You know, we have a lot of the prophets being praised. We have a lot of the apostles being praised. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we have all these men in the Bible that are getting a lot of chapters and writings. But you know what? There are women in the Bible that are getting praised for their motherhood. And this is a chapter that we see, the Gospel of Luke. The very first chapter, starting us into it, it explains to us two ladies who one was known as barren and was able to have a son, and the other was the mother of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And let's first point out the good attributes of these ladies. So number one, uh, look down at your Bible and notice what it says in chapter 1, verse 27. This is in reference to Mary. It says, To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. So the angel is clearly starting off with speaking with Mary that you have favor with God. God is looking down and is pleased with you. And Mary, we don't know a lot of her personal life about like how she uh, composed herself up until this point, how she was raised, or even a lot of like her rearing of Jesus Christ. We do see an example of that. We are going to go into that. But we don't see a lot of like Mary actually doing the mothering. But nevertheless, we start off by the angel Gabriel telling the world that she was favored in the sight of God. So the first thing I want us to understand was that she was favored before she was a mother. Every mother first needs to be a good wife. That's the first thing I want to get into. Because some ladies may think that they get married, you know, I mean, the famous nursery rhyme, right? First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby with the baby carriage. But you know what? It's simply this. 
You know, the Bible teaches very clearly, in whatsoever state we are, therein to be content. Because we all have different walks of life, whether we're, you know, you're a young lady, whether you're a married woman, whether you're a mom, a grandmother. You know, we all have different stages that we are in life. And for you ladies, you need to find contentment with where you currently are and do the best in your current position. You know, because let's say there's a lady who's married and doesn't have kids. You know, we see Elizabeth was a lady who was well stricken in age. She was in her later years. What some would say is not the time for a lady to have a mother. And we see example, more examples of that in the Bible. But Elizabeth is our New Testament example. And Mary was well favored. Why? I believe it because she was a very good wife first. Because we all know the famous story, right? She was a virgin that was with child. Now, let's turn, if we would, to Matthew chapter 1. The Gospel of Matthew. We start, this is the first thought in the New Testament that the Lord wants us to know. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ is on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So this is just emphasizing her virginity, her purity. She was a lady in the in the in the Bible when a marriage was consummated. Not only did you, uh, you know, propose to a woman or propose to them, but then you had a marriage, and the consummation of that was the coming together aspect of a man and wife. The attributes that God said are of man. What is our purpose here on earth? The very first commandment given to mankind: be fruitful and multiply. Like I said, the famous. Nursery rhyme. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby in the baby's carriage. But you could see, if you keep reading, you know, Joseph was, I mean, can we really argue that Joseph was not necessarily too stoked to hear that information? You know, that his espoused wife was with a child? You know, that's not, there is a, a, a way that the law tells us that there's only one exception to put away your wife, and that is if it be for the uh, fornication. If a woman was found with child and you married her, you know, there's a, 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 a vow made between husband and wife saying basically that I'm going to be to you and you are going to be to me and nothing in between. So the Bible taught that they give them a bill of divorcement. Why? If the woman was found not to be uh, faithful. So basically, Joseph was trying to do the right thing and follow the, uh, the law in Deuteronomy and was going to put her away privately. Notice what it says. Being a just man, so the Bible is saying right here that he was doing the right thing. Being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privately. Look down at verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And then it says, And he knew her not till he had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So the Bible is just clearly emphasizing that Mary was a good wife. She was not unfaithful. She was faithful to Joseph. A miraculous event of God finding favor on Mary was the reason before the world was ever created. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The very first prophetic promise of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ to come, is found in Genesis chapter 3. And it says, the woman will bring forth a son, and that son will bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent will bruise his heel. That's a prophecy of Mary having Jesus Christ, bringing in Jesus Christ into the world. The, the, the miracle of Jesus Christ coming into the world. So, turn if you would to 
Proverbs 31. If you've gone to church a lot in your life, if you've heard a lot of preaching, we've all have heard of the Proverbs 31 woman. This is a woman that the Bible emphasizes for ladies to look to in their life to have as an example of what it means to be a good wife and potentially a good mother. And notice the first words in the prophecy because a lot of people may know, or I'm sorry, the, the teaching of uh, Proverbs 31. A lot of people know the virtuous woman. A lot of people know the attributes. She girds her arms with strength. She, you know, keeps her house warm and all these different things. But a lot of people don't know that this is actually a letter from a mother to her son. Notice what it says in Proverbs 31, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, the son of my womb, and what, the son of my vows, give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Lest thou drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto the hand that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth. Judge righteously. There's the famous, you know, a lot of people always tell us as Christians, judge not lest you be judged. We can't judge one another. The prophecy of Elemuel's mother to the king is saying, judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. Spoil there is like excess of income. You know, he doesn't need to, have, he doesn't need to try to make more money because she is a good steward of the income that he brings in. He doesn't need extra. You know, you think of spoils of war extras that you get after war she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands she is like the merchants ships she bringeth her food from afar she riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens i'm not going to go into the rest of the attributes of the proverbs 31 woman what i'm trying to point out what the bible is emphasizing is that in the sight of God, Mary was well-favored before she was ever a mother. She was well-favored because she was a good wife to Joseph. She was faithful to him. She was, I believe, this Proverbs 31 woman. She was a woman that is highly to be praised, as it says at the very end, in verse 30, it says, Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. For the woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her for the fruit of her hands and let her own work praise her in the gates. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, we don't look to women for their beauty, but the attributes of beauty a wife understands is of second nature. What's most important is that she fears the Lord. And if men are looking for a wife in their life, they should be looking for the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, understand this. It did clearly say that her she is rarer than ruby. Is a very hard thing to find. It's not necessarily like there's a Proverbs 31 woman walking around everywhere. So for men, you want to look for a woman that follows these attributes. But not only that, do you think when I married my wife, she just was a Proverbs 31 woman right off the bat? This is things that you can grow into as wives. But we're not necessarily just talking about wives today. I'm just pausing us there 
to move into the thought of first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby, and the baby carriage. Go back to Luke chapter 1. Because I'm just trying to point out this thing first, that these women were in the sight of God seen as good, godly women. I don't, I'm going to just briefly explain how we know that of Elizabeth, because like I said, it's a very long chapter. But it says of Elizabeth uh, in verse 6, and they were both righteous before God. This is uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, his wife. They were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. That doesn't mean they were without sin. They were walking in the ordinances of the Lord as considered blameless, meaning that a normal person couldn't look at them and see a glaring problem over their life. You know, the Bible talks about that if you want to be a pastor or a deacon or an evangelist, you need to be considered blameless, meaning you don't have a glaring sin over your life or you are able to be looked at as someone who follows the commandments, trying in all those ways to strive for the, the commandments of God, as we see both Elizabeth and Zacharias, the parents of John the Baptist. So that's the first thing I want to emphasize. These women, the title of this message, women to look to in the Bible, let's look to Mary. She was a great godly woman, favorite of the Lord. She was, a, I believe, a Proverbs 31 woman, and Elizabeth was as well. They were, in the sight of God, blameless. This not means they're sinless. There is none righteous, no, not one, as it is written. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Nevertheless, you can still be seen favorable in the sight of God. I believe Mary was saved before the angel came. I mean, why would God use an unsaved woman to bring the Messiah into the world? I believe she was a saved believer in the Lord. Obviously, the name Jesus had not been dished out yet, but they believed in Jehovah. They believed in the Lord. And because of that, God looked down and chose what I believe to be the virtuous woman, Mary. But understand this, like I said, they are sinners. They, are, they weren't perfect. And I could show you an example of that. And uh, turn, if you would, to Luke 11. Just a couple of chapters over to Luke 11. And while you go to Luke 11, I'm just going to show you an example that even Mary, the great godly wife, mother that she was, was not without fault or problem. An example is found in John 2, 3 through 4. You don't need to turn there. Go to Luke 11. It says, And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, unto her Woman, what do I have to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. So some may say like, Whoa, Jesus, you just called your mother a woman? Like, woman, what do I have to do with thee? Obviously, this is the very first miracle we see in the Bible that Jesus Christ performed. And understand this wine here does not mean alcoholic beverage because back in the day when there are wedding feasts you would uh bring out juice juice was a commodity not a commodity it was a it was a rarity back in the ancient world to squeeze fruits together into for a wedding give everyone a juice was not necessarily always possible to do so they looked around and saw that the juice was gone and basically Mary goes to Jesus and said, hey, they need more wine. He goes, woman, what do I have to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. See, once again, he's just emphasizing that, like, you don't tell me what to do. I'm going to go ahead and do what I see fit best. And not only that, do the things that the Father tells me to do. But another example that we see of Mary not being perfect is found in Luke 2. You stay in Luke 11. I'm going to read the story of Mary rearing Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Because 
says that if you ask any mother, that you're going to make mistakes in, in raising your kids. There's no way you're going to always do that which is perfect. And the, the funny joke I always hear is, you make your mistakes with your first one, and the rest get the, the better treatment because, you know, it's just like anything. you got to make sure you, you understand the principles of what is right and wrong and so on and so forth. So, Mary, we see right here, loses the Son of God. Okay, like, you have one job, Mary. Protect this child, raise this child, bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and she lost Jesus Christ. It says that right here in Luke 2, chapter 2, verse 40, sorry, 43, it reads, When they had fulfilled the days, and they returned, the child carried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it, but they supposed him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among his their kinfolks and acquaintances. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. So this is the second mistake. Not only did she lose Jesus Christ, but now she's going to Jesus Christ and saying, Your father, in reference to Joseph, and I sought you sorrowing. Is Joseph Jesus Christ's father? No, God the Father is Jesus Christ's father. So she was actually making a, a wrong claim. She made a second mistake. And what was Jesus' response? Teenage Jesus Christ said this, And he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Which she not that I must be about my father's business? He was in the temple, expounding on the things of the kingdom. The doctors and the people of the temple were looking at him like, whoa, this kid knows a lot about the Bible. Why? Because he is the word of God manifested in the flesh. And when Mary said, my fa your father and I sought you sorrowing, he says, wait, was she not that I must be about my father's business? So obviously, she made a mistake and he corrected her. Now, children, that does not give you blatant carte blanche to go and correct your parents. Your mother says something to you. You need to respect and honor that. But we just see, you know, teenagers, they all think they know what's, what's right. But listen to what it goes on to say. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them, Jesus Christ, and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And he was increased in wisdom and stature and in favor of God and man. Mary's not perfect. She was not this mother that just always did the right thing and just, just never made a mistake. But nevertheless, mothers, you can understand that though we make mistakes, though you, you can be perfect in everything, there is directions on how you can raise good godly children. But before I go into that, basically I want to point out this, that unfortunately, and actually you're in uh, Luke 11. Let's take a look at that really quick. Luke 11, chapter 27, it reads, And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee in the paths which thou hast sucked. But he said, this is Jesus Christ, if you have red letters, this is the words of Jesus Christ, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. 
So basically this woman comes up to Mary and says, you are blessed of women. Here are this really great, you know, blessed is the paps which she has sucked. And Jesus Christ says, yea, rather blessed is the man that heareth the word of God and doeth it. Because that was what Mary's intent was. If you look back at the story, Luke chapter 1, it actually shows her making that claim. It says in Luke chapter 1, in verse 38, and Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country, into a city, and entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the maid leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth filled with the Holy Ghost. Now this is Elizabeth filled with the Holy Ghost. This third member of the Godhead filled Elizabeth to say these things. And this is what we mean when someone is full of the Holy Ghost. It's not necessarily the actions in which they do, but it will be the words that come out of their mouth. Because Jesus Christ says, these words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words of God, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And let's see the words of Elizabeth. She says, and entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her room, and Elizabeth filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that but deliver thee, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So in Luke 11, we see another lady saying the exact same thing. What was Mary's response? And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. So just like Jesus Christ said, Yea, rather blessed is the man that heareth the word of God and doeth it. Mary acknowledged that and understood that though she is the mother of Jesus Christ. She was the chosen vessel to bring Jesus Christ in the world. She understood she must decrease and he must increase. Mothers, you know, sometimes in your life, you're not getting the accolades you want. You're not getting the praises that you deserve as mothers. You deserve to be given breakfast in bed. You deserve to be, you know, taking away the dishes from time to time. You deserve to be you know taken out to eat and things like that but nevertheless we need to deny ourselves pick up our cross and follow him and love one another as we love ourselves so basically mary being this great woman elizabeth being this great woman great wives became great mothers they were not perfect they've done wrong and unfortunately this is where some people will take good doctrine and take it too far and it becomes bad doctrine like the catholic church the Catholic Church will worship Mary. The Catholic Church, not, I'm not saying like exonerates her and respects her. They actually bow down to a statue of the Virgin Mary. They call her the Mediatrix. The Bible says that there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, that we as born-again believers don't need to go to a priest. We don't need to go to someone to speak on our behalf to God. We can come boldly into the throne of grace because we are children of God. And just like a child, I mean, think of it like this, Jamie. If you were in your office in the room that, you know, we were sleeping in the guest room that one time. And Serena doesn't ask, doesn't do anything, but just barges in and says, Hey, how are you doing? How's it going? She could get away with that because she's your, your daughter. But if some random person came kicking in the door like, Hey, what's up, Jamie? It's like, whoa, knock, ask. 
as children of God, we are able to come boldly into the throne of God. So basically, just like Serena can come into your office at any time, we as children of God can come to the Father at any time. I don't need Mary. You women don't need Mary to ask God of a favor. You ladies can come boldly. She is not the mediatrix. But the Catholic Church thinks that as a woman, you need to address Mary to address God on your behalf. And that's not what the Bible taught at all. Jesus Christ said clearly, woman, what do I have to do with thee? Nevertheless, he loved his mother and he, and, and he did great. And this is like I mean where a good doctrine goes bad. They call Mary the mother of God. Incorrect. Not right. She is the mother of Jesus Christ. That is a fact. That is the truth. But she is not the mother of God. There is no mother of God. The Bible clearly teaches that there's one God and that one God is composed of three people, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And the Bible clearly emphasized that this one God is a male. In the beginning, God created he, them, created he, him, after his own image. Jesus Christ is under the image of God. Was he a girl? Or he was a man? So obviously God is a masculine man. Jesus Christ was the Son of God, God the Father. There is no female entity as the... Jewish Orthodox or Jewish faith teaches of what's known as a Shekinah glory, the feminine attributes of God. There is no feminine attributes of God. But this is what I'm saying. This isn't unique. This, a lot of people take a good doctrine like Mary being the mother of Jesus and taking it too far. Like, oh, he's the mother of Jesus. She must be the mother of God. Wrong. And actually they teach not only that, I mean, I don't have enough time to get into it, but if you look into Jeremiah 47, it talks about how there were, in the time of Israel, child, uh, the children of Israel were worshiping the queen of heaven. And God saying, because of this, I'm going to destroy you. Because there is no queen of heaven. And then it goes on. And, you know, the Catholic Church not only believes her to be this mediatrix, this, this deity figure, but they also believe that she was continually a virgin all the way to her death. Now, that's not what the Bible teaches. Very clearly, just like we saw a moment ago, in Luke 2, it says, Your father and I have sought you sorrowing, or uh, looked for you sorrowing, right? But notice what else it said. It says, And it came to pass after three days that they found him in the, or it says actually a couple verses back, but they supposed him to have been in the company when a day's journey they sought him amongst their kinsfolk and acquaintances. The Bible also teaches in Matthew. I'm going to go ahead and read it because I don't have enough time. But it says in Matthew 13, in reference to Jesus Christ's half-siblings. Jesus Christ was not a single child. Mary had other kids. Remember what it said in Matthew. He knew not his wife till she brought forth her firstborn son. That means they did come together and sanctify that marriage. And they were fruitful and they multiplied and they had other kids. It says that. In Matthew 13, verse 54, it reads, And when it, he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogues, insomuch that they were astonished, and said, Whence has this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Isn't his, is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph, and Simon and Judas, and his sisters, or at least two, are they not all with us, whence then hath this man all these things? So the Bible is saying that Mary had other kids. She was not always a virgin for the rest of her life. 
And this is what I'm saying, that like, we need to make sure that the Bible is our final authority for all faith and practice. So I'm not going to sit here and rip on the Catholic Church. I'm here to exonerate and extol new mothers because, number one, we understand that we have mothers that we can look to in the Bible. Elizabeth, Mary, you know, being a good wife first, and then because of that, have children. But here's the thing. The Bible teaches that having a lot of children is actually a blessing from God. For some weird, odd reason, there's this new philosophy in our world today that says, us four, no more, one boy, one girl, that's it. I'm not going to have any more kids. I just want enough to be able to live in a comfortable, middle, middle high-wage uh, uh, lifestyle. But rather, the Bible's saying that having a lot of children is actually a blessing from God. Turn, if you will, to Genesis chapter 1. The very first commandment given to mankind is found in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 it reads and God blessed them and God said unto them be fruitful and multiply replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and over the sea and over the fowls of the air and over every creeping for every living thing that moveth upon the earth so the first thing it says and God blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply you don't need to go there I'm going to read them for sake of time and it says in Genesis 9 1 whoop it says in Genesis 9, 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Um, it says in Genesis 29, I do want to kind of point this one out really quickly because this is a, an interesting one. It says Genesis 24, verse 59, it reads, And they sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate thee. How would that sound to you, young ladies, to be the mother of thousands of millions? Doesn't that sound like a pleasing life? Doesn't that sound like a life of fun and joy? No lady in here, in their natural state, is thinking, I want to have thousands and millions of kids. You know, some of us men are looking at that as a horror story. But honestly, the Bible is teaching us that having multiple children is a blessing from God. You know, not every person has children. Now, some people, as we see in the Bible, were barren. Though the Bible does teach that every barren woman was able to have a kid because they trusted in God. But not only that, if you don't end up with kids, you know, you got to see women who do have kids that these are blessings from God. Whether he provides you with one, two, seven, twenty, whatever the number is, these are God's blessing onto you women as a token of being a faithful wife to your husband and being fruitful and multiplying. But after you've, you know, lived this good life as a, as a young lady, as a married lady, start having kids and you have multiple kids, now you got to start rearing those children. Children, the Bible teaches that foolishness is found in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. You know, mothers, unfortunately, this is not a, a, a subject which every mom likes to hear, but we need to discipline our kids. And I mean like physically discipline our kids. As the Bible teaches, it says, turn if you went to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, a lot of what I'm going to mention right now is found in Proverbs. Why? Because Proverbs is the book of wisdom, how to live wisely and how we can apply a lot of this to our lives. It says in Proverbs 
29, verse 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. A child left to himself bringeth his mother, not his father, his mother to shame. The rod of reproof gives wisdom. So women, this is your job to not just put it on your husband to beat your kids. It's not like, oh, you, you deal with the kids, you do the disciplining. No, if you choose not to discipline them, it says, the water of reproof gives wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother shame. If a child is left to his own devices, you know, we I've always heard it said before that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. You as mothers need to keep your kids busy. You need to, you know, give them chores, educate them, school them, give them hobbies, make them busy, and then when they do wrong, correct them in their wrongdoing because you love them. And the Bible actually teaches that. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The Bible also says, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. It says, thou shalt beat him with the rod. This is a, this is a commandment. This is not a suggestion. It says, beat him with the rod, and you will spare his soul from hell, because... If he's left to himself, he will bring you shame. Children, because foolishness is bound in their hearts, will do all sorts of stupid things. And it is your responsibility, women, and honor to raise children. It's not just, you know, the Bible teaches very clearly unto whom much is given, like one child, like two child, like six children, like however many children you have, unto whom much is given of him should much be required. You know, you are held to a higher standard if you are responsible for six souls, eight souls, one soul, no, I mean, either way, we need to make sure that we are following God's teaching on child rearing. And I'm not saying you ladies don't do that. I'm just saying don't forsake the old paths wherein is the good way. I don't care what the world is teaching about discipline. I don't care if they say, take away the television, take away the snacks, take away this make sure you still on top of that. You can add that to your plethora of discipline, but don't forsake, forsake capital punishment, basically. And children, it is your responsibility to honor your mother. It, 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 when the Bible commands that you honor your father and mother in the Lord, which is one of the Ten Commandments, kids, this is your responsibility. It's their responsibility to rear you and to guide you into the nurture and admonition of the Lord but it is your responsibility to honor and respect your parents. Your parents have sacrificed more than you could probably ever imagine. You know, I mean, for crying out loud, some women die in childbirth. You know, some women get all sorts of physical complications and there's so much stress to the body and there's so much even stress to the mind. You don't think mothers stay up hours and weeks and years and months worrying about what their kids are doing? Because, you know, obviously you could sit there and think to yourself like, oh, I'm fine. I'm in a place like Kauai. There's no gun violence and gang violence. Look, anything can happen to you. You can slip on a rock, bonk your head and be down. And, you know, I'm just telling you kids to honor your father and mother does not mean just do what they say, but being a cheerful giver, loving them and doing what it is they command of you, not ask, not suggest. If your parents say, do the dishes, yes, mom and dad, of course. I mean, the Bible clearly teaches, and I'm going to have you uh, turn there really quick, to Proverbs uh, 1. And this is for you kids who think you know better. 
You know, Jesus Christ, the 12-year-old, listened to his mother. Remember what it says, that he grew in stature and wisdom and in favor with God and men. He respected and listened, not only to Mary, but also to Joseph. Even though Joseph was not his biological father, he looked to Joseph as a spiritual leader to guide him. That was his responsibility that God gave to Joseph. God said, Joseph, keep your wife, raise this child. And here's the thing, kids, if you think you know better, here's something I really want you to understand. Found in Proverbs 1, verse 7. Fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Not the suggestion, her commandment. And it's, it could be an extra commandment that's not in this book. There's only so many things that God tells us to do, right? Your mom may have a rule in her house that has nothing to do with the Bible. But guess what? That's the law of your mother. If your mom says, put on socks when it's cold outside because she doesn't want you to get a cold, then you put on socks because that's what she commanded of you. If your mom says to take your vitamins in the morning because she wants you to stay healthy, then you take your vitamins. The word in the Bible that said women make sure your kids take their vitamins or women make sure their kids wear their socks when it's wet outside. But that's the law of your mother. Your mother is trying to guide you in a way that is going to help you and benefit you. And it goes on to read, and it says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as they as those that go down into the pit we shall find all precious substance we shall fill our houses with spoil cast in thy lot among us let us all have our purse my son walk not thou in the way with them refrain thy foot from their path for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood i'm not going to go into the rest of the cursings that will fall on you for not listening to your father or your mother you know there is a pit trap for friends and and acquaintances to lead you astray your father and your mother are people in your lives that are trying to guide you in a good path and you need to honor and respect them so we get it David be good ladies be good wives be good mothers discipline our kids kids listen to your parents but here's the last thing I want you to understand is that mothers, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you do, no matter how much you sacrifice, no matter how much you encourage, influence, we all have free will. And God knows your children even better than you. See, the Bible teaches that when people are born again or they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they become brothers and sisters in Christ. So, when a woman has a child, understand this, and I'm sure all you ladies would nod your head in approval, you're not a kid forever. You live the majority of your life as an adult than you do as a child. If a man lives the average lifespan of 70 years, you know, 60 years of that, or 55 years, 59 years of that, is you as an adult. But well, the first 19 years are you as a child in the sight of God, in the sight of your parents. So when you invest in your kids, you bring them up in the nurture and admonition, you beat them with the rods and you spare their soul from hell, no matter what you do, in the end, that you I mean, the famous saying, you can lead the horse to water, but it is up 
to them to drink. You need to find yourself in your life praying for your kids, understanding that if you bring up them in the way they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. This is why influence on a child's life in their adolescent years is most important. And I'm sure there are mothers in here that could look into some of their kids' lives or one child's life and say, oh man, I, I failed here, or I messed up here, or whatever. No matter how many times you try to beat yourself up and try to say like, oh, I failed here. Look, Mary messed up, the mother of Jesus Christ. Yet Jesus never did the wrong thing. Obviously, he's the son of God. That's a, you know, he's perfect, he's without sin. But John the Baptist, Jesus Christ said, there's no greater man on the earth than John the Baptist who is filled with the Holy Ghost from his birth. And this is a sub point that I wanted to make before this. Think of it like this. Uh, if you've heard the story of um, Samuel's mother, it's very similar to the story of Elizabeth. Samuel's mother was not able to have a kid. She was barren. And she goes to the temple and prays to God that she's able to have a kid. And Samuel, and then she says, before Samuel prays with her, if you give me a man-child, I will dedicate him to the Lord. You know, ladies, before you even have kids, have it in your mind that whatever the Lord decides to bless you with, you're going to dedicate that child to God. Not to you, not to your husband, but to God. Because here's the thing, that child will grow up, get married, and move on and do their own things in their life. Your closest relationship to be, you ladies, is to your husbands. You need to love your kids, and I, you know, once again, understand that you guys have a bond that is unique to you ladies and your children, but nevertheless, they have their own walk with God. And when Hannah, Samuel's mother, prayed to God and says, if you give me a man child, I'll dedicate him to the Lord, he then provided her with a kid. And not only that, but Samuel became one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. He led a whole entire nation from wicked idolatry back to serving the God and anointed two kings, Saul and David. So obviously, if you pray for your kids and you raise them in the nurture and admonition, they will be in, uh, going and serving the Lord. But Jeremiah 1, I'm just going to go ahead and read these for you because you know I don't want to take too much time. But basically it says in Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5, The word of the Lord came unto me, this is in reference to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctify thee, and I ordain thee a prophet unto the nations. God knows the beginning from the end. God knows who you are, who you're going to be. God knows the be he's outside of time. So before Jeremiah was even born, he says, I know you. I know who you are, what you're going to do. You're going to be a prophet into the nations. He told John the Baptist, you're going to be the voice crying aloud in the wilderness, making straight the way of the Lord. I know who you are. God knows your children better than you, ladies. And it, can, and it also says that in Ecclesiastes 11.5, Has thou knowest not what is in the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. You can do everything right, and still the kids do something bad and horrible and, and live a bad life and, and all this stuff, but your responsibility and your honor is to try to teach them and grow them into that. And when you do so, the Bible says you get honor and glory. Because remember the very beginning of the sermon I said, mothers don't necessarily get a lot of honor and glory on this earth. It's not like Time Magazine or People Magazine are just saying, the mother of the year, you know, this lady who mothered five kids, 
20 kids, you know? It's, it's usually like Jennifer Lopez or someone stupid that is not doing anything of real value. But, if you don't get accolades in your daily life, if no one's walking up to you and saying, what a great mother you are, look at your children, they're so obedient and so wise, so smart and all this stuff, know this, God will reward you for your good works in heaven. And if your works are being seen of men, you know, you may not get a great reward in heaven. You think, I mean, the Bible teaches very clearly, Mary is the mother of Jesus Christ. The same, Mary is honored in heaven. Mary is probably a very highly esteemed person in heaven. Very respected and honored and gloried, but she didn't get a lot of praise on this earth. As a matter of fact, she got called out a lot for doing a lot of wrong things to help educate other mothers how to do the right thing. And with that being said, I want to leave you on one last thought. It's found in Psalms 127. Psalms 127. 127, Psalms, verse 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of thy youth. Happy is the man or the woman that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, they, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And I brought this up to my mother a couple months, or like a month ago, and it was kind of fascinating to her because, and I taught, I was taught this from a brother in Christ, how, you know, we've all heard of the armor of God. There's the sword of the spirit or the, the sword, the word of God. We have the shield of faith, we have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We're given the spiritual armor to be able to fight the Lord's battle and things like that. But here's the thing, arrows are a long distance weapon. Arrows are something that you're trying to shoot at a far away place. So this is what the Bible is saying, that happy is the man or woman whose quiver is full of them because if you sharpen that blade, that arrowhead, you aim that thing in the right direction and you let that thing go, the works that your children, the works that your grandchildren, the works of your great-great-grandchildren that they will do in the future, you will get a reward for because of your upbringing of that, that child or children. Because we only have a short period of time on this earth, like we mentioned last week, you know, the concept of you know, time management. What are we investing in our time? Is, is, is your career more important or is your child's future more important? Them becoming great spiritual filled children to then have them have spiritual children and a grandparent, and I'm sure grandmothers could look at a, a, a grandchild who is reading his Bible, preaching the gospel, and doing these things is only going to bring them joy. They're not going to be sitting there like, man, I shouldn't have, I, sh I should have done less investing in that, my son to raise a good child or my daughter to raise a good child. You know, once again, because I don't have grandkids doesn't mean I can't speak on this matter. The Bible gives us all the answers. And basically I want you to know this, mothers, that you may not get your rewards here on this earth. You have one day a year where you get honored and praised. Mother's Day. Hopefully they also do it on your birthday too. And hopefully just because they love you and they want you to know how happy they are that you raised them. But nevertheless, if you invest in your kids, you will have future glories and future honor and and the Lord knows your works and what you've done. And he'll look down and have favor on you as he did with Mary. And we can rest assured, women, 
that if you don't ever get praised by your son, your daughter, your husband, your grandchildren, God sees what you are doing and understands that your, your investment in the Lord will never be in vain. So mothers, I just want you to know that bring up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he's not departed. Children, honor your parents in the Lord. And if not, don't be surprised if your life gets destroyed. Because your mother's trying to guide you into the paths of righteousness. And I'm super happy to know that we all, you know, and some people, and I'll leave it you on this thought. Some people like to, and I'm just going to be blunt. My siblings like to demonize my mother. My siblings are always like, my problems in my life are because my mother. My mother failed here. My mother failed there. And blah, 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 and all this stuff. But here's the thing. Your mother must have done something right. There's something, kids, you can look to, to your mother and say, well, thank God she told me this, taught me this, explained to me this. Even just giving birth to you for crying out loud should be enough that you exist because your mother. And it's just that, like, I, you need to know, kids, that your mother loves you more than you could probably ever imagine. And you need to honor and respect them. Let's give them, let's extol them on this day of all days. Let's give our parents honor, you know, make them breakfast, do something that they want to do. And uh, with that being said, mothers, just understand that the Lord sees your works and is going to reward you for it. Bow our heads and uh, have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this uh, day. Thank you so much that you gave us mothers that cared and loved us. And help the mothers to know how much you care and love them. And, you know, help them to understand that um, you're always with them and that they... Um, if don't think they're being seen for their good works, you see what they're doing. And, you know, from time to time, help the kids to, you know, make sure they remind their mothers how thankful they are for everything they've done. In Jesus' name, Christ's name we pray. Amen.